Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. We're going to be seeing the protection that comes with his presence uh, for the Egyptians, or for the Israelites in Egypt, but also for his people today, that when God is with us, that God protects and God provides. And so we're going to be talking about that here this morning. Our text, uh, main text, is verse 23 of Exodus chapter 12. I'll read that to you again. Uh, here in this passage it says, Here for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So we're going to be talking about uh, God's protection. I guess the title of the message this morning is safety with God. Uh, safety with God. And that's where we do find safety. Uh, that's where we find protection. Uh, that's where we can hide is in God. And that's where the Israelites found safety is with God in Egypt. And so this morning, uh, as far as setting the scene, let me do that first because I want to set the scene as what's taking place here so we understand. God has already determined to bring his people out. God has called Moses. Uh, Moses, through some convincing, I guess, and a little bit of time, answered the call. Uh, Aaron went with him. And they went to Egypt, uh, stood before Pharaoh, and of course, uh, things didn't work out uh, very quickly or easily. First, they had to convince the people that God was leading. But also, Pharaoh was kind of stubborn, and the people of the world or the people of Egypt were stubborn. Uh, and they did not want to let the Israelites depart or have them leave. And so there was what we'd call that opposition that took place. And so God uh, sent the plagues upon Egypt. He began sending plagues. You know, uh, God is patient. But God will also act, and God will also bring judgment when it's time. And we find that here, that God gave them opportunity to do right. I say them, the Egyptians and Pharaoh, he gave them opportunity to do right. But when they refused and they objected to God, uh, God gave them several chances to do the right thing. Yet Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God, and God worked in that situation uh, to not only bring his people out, but to show his people that he is God. And he's that not only their God, but he's a powerful God. He's the almighty God of this world. And so that's what began to take place. And nine plagues were given. Uh, you know, I read the plagues and I often thought, man, uh, it took nine, eventually ten, for them to actually let them go. But then I look around the world today and, and we're stubborn too, are we not? You know, whether it's us or worldly people are stubborn. And so these plagues were sent and that brings us to this passage here, which we find the tenth one, uh, which would be the, the slaying of the firstborn is what we find here. Uh, you think about it, it had to get to that point as far as the Egyptians to finally uh, not even give in. God would actually have to do this for them to, for the people of Israel to leave. But it had to get to that point where God would reach down and hurt uh, their family as far as allowing them to be hurt in a way that, God would work. And so we find the stubbornness here. But as far as our message this morning, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the fact that God protected his people through this. And God brought them to safety amidst these plagues and amidst this terrible one here at the very end. He provided what we'd call, well, he sent judgment upon the land, the entire land. If you read the passage, not just the Egyptians, it was upon the entire land. Everyone that lived there was, was going to receive this judgment. But then he also provided a way for them to be safe, a way for them to be protected from this judgment. And if they obeyed, 
and they applied the direction he gave them, then they would be safe. And God would protect him. So this morning, let's look at this. I have three thoughts I want to share with you. We're going to talk about God's plan. God's plan. God's presence. Okay, God's presence. And then God's power, which as we'll note, was seen in his presence. Uh, him being there and him protecting them. So let's start first with God's plan. As far as their safety, God's plan. Uh, and let me begin with by stating this. This was God's direction. All this was God's plan. It wasn't something Moses invented. It wasn't something that Aaron said, hey, Moses, I have an idea. This was God going to Moses and saying, this is what I'm going to do. You just need to follow. And you need to tell the people to follow. And I'll take care of the rest. This was God's plan. This was God's direction. You know, when God directs, we just need to follow. Right? I mean, we just need to follow his direction. And when we follow his direction, we're going to go the right way. And so God gave some direction here. And as far as the direction, uh, we read in this passage, you go back uh, in this passage. I'll go back just a little bit. So we can see some of the direction that God gave. I'll not read the entire passage, but I'll read sections here. It says here in verse 1, The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month ye shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male the first year you shall take it out of the, from the sheep or from the goats shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So here, here's the plan here to begin with. They were to go out and select a lamb. And not just any lamb, okay? They were to select a lamb. Uh, we give specific directions here as far as the age and even uh, a lamb that was spotless, a lamb that was uh, without blemish. Uh, in other words, they, this lamb was selected for a purpose. It was to represent their house and the souls that were within. You know what this is? This is a picture of Jesus Christ is what this is, okay? This is Christ, God preparing the world for the future lamb of God, which Jesus Christ did receive that title, the lamb of God. Uh, and Jesus Christ also was selected for a purpose. He was chosen for a purpose, and that was to die in our place. He's a spotless lamb without blemish. Let me show you something. First Peter chapter 2. Uh, I, I think without a doubt this is a picture of Christ. First Peter chapter 2. And we'll look at verses 21 through 24. Let's see here. I think I got the right one here. First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Yep, here we go. It says here, For even whereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So this is Peter writing here, and I want to comment that I'll continue reading, but notice what he said about Christ. He said he's an example for us. And then he says, Who did no sin. And neither guile found his mouth. Now, guile is deception. In other words, not only did he not sin, but he didn't deceive anybody. Uh, his motives were never wrong. Everything he did was right and correct. Uh, as I continue reading this, keep in mind, this is someone who spent three years in close proximity with Christ. Uh, I don't think you spend three hours with me and not find me making a mistake. But three years in close proximity when Christ dealt with Good times and difficult times. Notice what Peter continues to say here. Verse 21, for even here unto, or verse 23, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. 
For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. What we find in this passage here is Christ was what we'd call a person without blemish, a perfect person, perfect individual, no sin, uh, no deception even within him. He was perfect. Everything he said was right. Everything he did was right. Everything he thought was correct. He, he was perfect and he is perfect today. And so he is a picture of a, a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish. Now, to get back to our passage, the purpose of this lamb, uh, on that night, God was going to bring judgment upon Egypt. He was bringing judgment upon the land. And the purpose of this lamb was to, the Bible tells us, it was to represent that home, that the souls that were in there. This lamb would represent them. Uh, the blood that was to be shed and then used to cover the doorposts, that blood would represent the people within. You see, the death of the lamb would really take the place of the death of the firstborn. In other words, when the time came for the firstborn to die, if there was blood there, that firstborn would live because the lamb, in a sense, would take its place. Now, you apply that to Jesus Christ. That's what he's done for us. He's taken our place on the cross. He's taken the place of every single believer. He's taken your place. Your Savior, he took your place on the cross. So you don't have to go. So you don't have to pay the price for sin. He has paid that price for you. First Peter 2, we've read that there. He said he, his own body, he bare our sins. He, he took those to the cross. So he died in your place so that you might have life. And this morning, if you're saved, you have that life. If you're not saved, you can have that life. He died in your place so that way you can have life. What's next is you must believe on him. That's all God expects of you. That's all God demands of someone who's without Christ is to believe. Believe and you shall be saved. Receive Christ into your heart. And so I hope pray everyone here is saved. If you received Christ, you believe on him, then he's taken your place. And because he's taken your place, you now have life in him. And that's what we find the picture of. We go back to our passage here, okay? That's God's plan. That was God's plan from the very beginning here in, in, in Exodus here. He wanted the people to take the lamb to have the sacrifice, then put the blood on the doorposts. And then he wanted them to stay inside for the night. Not to leave, but to remain inside. And that leads us to the second thought here this morning, and that's God's presence on that night. Where God was and what did God do? And this is where I hope you're encouraged this morning and how God works to protect his people. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 12. And the Bible tells us in verse 23, our text there, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. Okay, that means he's going to go through the land to smite the Egyptians, to bring judgment. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So God is sending judgment upon the land is what he's doing. He's sending judgment upon the land. The Bible tells us that he's going to go through the land. Uh, and this passage here in verse 23 is interesting because you'll notice what it says here. He says, when he seeth the blood, uh, he says, the Lord will pass through the land when he seeth uh through the, to smite the Egyptians, when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer, the destroyer to come in unto you. You know, it, it seems as the Lord, uh, some have called this individual a, a death angel or the angel of death, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the title here is the destroyer. Uh, what we find is God was sending an agent really to enact judgment upon the land. That's what God was doing. Uh, exactly who this agent was, I don't know. We're not giving anything else but what we find here. But God was sending someone through the land to bring judgment upon it. And the picture we have here is a picture of protection from this 
destroying agent coming through the land for the Israelites, for those that believed in Jesus Christ. And here's where I think we find the encouragement and how God, and we, we see how God works. Let's go to this passage again. Notice he says, I will pass over. He says when, uh, in verse 23, and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in onto your houses to smite you. To get a good understanding of this, to really, really grasp this, we have to, we got to understand what this word is and what it means. Okay. Uh, pass over. Uh, when you look at it in our English language, really, I've, I've looked at several translations. It's all pretty much the same right here. Uh, Passover, and that's where we get the Passover. People talk about Passover. You know, it's very easy to, to get a wrong impression of this. I, I did for a long time. The impression I got was God just walked by, saw the house, and God just moved on. But that's not what it's telling us here. And I want to show you that. It's not what it's teaching. It's not teaching God going by. The destroying agent is going to go by. But God is going to stop. And God's going to protect. Okay, that word itself, the word in the Hebrew, the excuse me, the Hebrew word. I'm struggling with English right now, let alone Hebrew. But the Hebrew word is pekak, and it means. Here's the meaning of that Hebrew word. The word means to halt. It means to hesitate. It means to hop over, skip over, or hover over. Is what the word means. It's only used in three other passages of our Bible, and one of them is Isaiah chapter 31. Let's turn over there. I want to show you how it's translated here and how it's used in Isaiah. So I think this will help us get a better understanding of the meaning of the word in our passage concerning the Passover here. Isaiah chapter 31. And uh, beginning in verse 1, it's kind of interesting, this passage is also dealing with Egypt uh, and the Egyptians. Uh, and he says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots, uh, because they are many, and in horsemen, because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, uh, neither seek the Lord. Now I'm going to go down to verse 5. Okay, I wanted to get context here. He's talking about trusting God and seeking the Lord. Verse 5, As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Uh, defending also he will deliver, and passing over he will pres- preserve it. Passing over, it's the same word. Okay, It's the same word. And in the other places it's used, it's used in a way that someone is halting or stopping. But notice how it's used here. He says, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. And he will pass over. You know, in the book of Psalms, we are given in in one passage. It doesn't use the same word. But it gives us the picture of God protecting by bringing his children under his wings. That's what this word is referring to here. To pass over, to hover over. You know, there are birds that will do this. They get their little birds in a nest. And when there's anything that they feel is a danger or a threat, they'll sit on top and they'll spread out their wings and they'll cover them and do their best to protect them. That's the picture here. That's what this word is meaning, that God is hovering over He's stopping over that house. So let's go back to our passage here, and let's read it again, and let's get a a good picture of what's taking place on that night. In verse 23 of Exodus 12, it says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come into unto your houses to smite you. So here's the, the picture now that we get that took place on this night. Okay, We have God telling the people, I'm going to judge this land. And the firstborn of each house will die this evening. What a terrible message. 
But that's a message of judgment. You know, think about the message upon the world today. Those who reject Christ, they die in their sins, have eternal death. That's the message. It's a terrible message, but that's that's the message that's there. This is a message here uh, that God said is going to happen. But God says, if you follow my direction, I'll protect you. And he says, you put that blood on the post, everything, and you stay inside, everything's going to be all right. So the night begins, and you have the destroyer, uh, the destroying agent, the angel of death, as some would say, going through the land. Isn't that a chilling thought, going through the land? Taking off through the land that evening. And that angel went by each and every house. I don't know where he started, but he started somewhere. And he went through the land, and he went by each and every house. And he begins to go through the land. Here's the picture we get. It's almost as if God is going parallel with him through that land. And as they come to a house, the destroying agent looks. No blood on the doorposts. Goes in, slays the firstborn, comes back out, moves on to the next house. Same thing. But then he gets to a house, and there's blood on the doorposts. And you know what happens? Turns to go in, but God stops over that house. Hovers over that house. Says, you're not getting in here because I'm protecting this house. This house is safe because of my presence. And so the destroying agent moves on to the next house. It went that way through the entire land that night. And God brought judgment upon the land. But notice God's presence protected his people. That's the key there. It's his presence. Him hovering over that house. Him being there is what protected the people from the judgment that was coming upon the land. And so what we find is God took care of his people. You know, God's presence made the difference is what happened. God's presence saved the firstborn and it took care of that house. And because of God, the angel of death was not permitted within. You know, God's presence still makes the difference. And it makes the difference in your life as well. It makes the difference in your life. And as far as God's presence, if you have God, in other words, if you've received Christ as your Savior, here's the first thing I want to share with you. You know you're protected from the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? Romans 6. Romans 6. Let's go over there. I'll read the the verse here. Romans chapter 6. And the Bible tells us here in verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, he says the wages of sin is death. You know, a wage is something you've earned. And if you've earned it, you deserve it. You should receive it. And God says the wages of sin is death. He's referring to not only physical death, but spiritual death, eternal death. He says, but the gift of God. Notice that there. You see, what we find is God says there's a way you can avoid this. You receive Christ. And that gift, you receive Him. Then guess what? God comes into your heart. The presence of Christ in your life. You're no longer under the penalty of sin. Isn't that wonderful? That's what God does for us. That's what His presence does. It protects us from the penalty of sin. You know, I've heard someone put it this way once, that your sins are going to be paid for. Either you're going to pay for them, or Christ is going to pay for them. That is up to you. If you receive Christ as your Savior, He takes your place on the cross, He'll make the payment for sin. But if you do not receive Him and you continue on, then you'll make that payment for sin. You know, that's a serious matter. 
We want to make certain that we're forgiven. And that comes with receiving Christ as our Savior. I hope everyone here has received Christ as your Savior. And once you're saved, the penalty of sin, that's something that Christ takes care of and that you're protected from. Uh, Here's another one. How about the presence of sin, the presence of sin in your life? Uh, Titus chapter 3, the book of Titus. I'm going to read a passage here. And in this passage, we find the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart or in the heart of a believer. Once someone is saved, we find... Uh, the beginning, what I'd call work. Of the Holy Spirit in your life. Titus chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses 5 uh, through 7. He says here, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. In other words, we're not saved by anything we can do. We're saved by God's mercy. In Ephesians 2, by His grace, we know that. It says here, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one, once you're saved, once you receive Christ as your Savior, He instantly washes your heart and He regenerates it. gives you a new heart. He cleanses you of the sin that's within. The presence of sin there. And it says here in verse 6, which, or excuse me, verse 7, it says, Regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly uh, through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, once you receive Christ as your Savior, uh, at that moment, I mean instantly, the Holy Spirit washes, regenerates your heart, and then He takes up residence in your heart. In other words, He, he resides with you. He stays there. He doesn't just wash your heart and then leave you. You know, I've done that. Not with hearts, of course. But I've washed things and left them and come back and they're filthy again. He washes and He stays there to continue working in your heart and your life. Once you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit resides with you. And it's His presence that allows you to not only walk with God, but walk away from the things of the world and to do what's right. You see, that's the what we call the presence of God in your life. And that takes care of the presence of sin. And finally, how about the power of sin? You know, we, we do know that well, of course, we're sinners. We're tempted on a daily basis. Uh, let me give you one more passage here on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in verse 13, I'll read this verse here, which uh, for some people, this is an encouraging verse, something that I know... Uh, people hold on to, it says here, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able uh, to bear it. Uh, this passage here uh, in First Corinthians, he takes us all the way back. We begin in verse 1. He takes us back to Israel and their struggles and their trials and troubles. And he concludes it right here by saying, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And if he gives you something, that means you can handle it because he's going to give you his power and his strength uh, to handle that. Uh, God is not going to intentionally harm or break his children. That's not the point. If God's allowed something in your life, there's a purpose to it. There's a reason. Even even the temptations. You know, God could remove every single temptation in front of you starting tomorrow. I mean, he could, but he's not going to. God's going to leave them there. By the way, when you say no to a temptation, you're strengthened. You draw closer to God and you're your relationship with God is strengthened. See, God allows those things into our life to guide us in directions. But, but the thought here is God will give you power over those. 
God's going to give you power with this. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that passage is not referring to what we'd call worldly items or worldly things or temporal things. It's referring to, it's referring to spiritual items, spiritual things. In other words, God will give you strength to walk with Him. God will give you the ability to say no when you need to say no. Or, or yes when you need to say yes. Or I, I can do this. Or I should do this. Or I, I don't need to do that. You see, God will give you the strength. That's the power of His presence. Now you think of the Israelites. God had blessed them with His presence. And that leads me to my final thought. How about His power? They were safe because they had God's plan, they had God's presence, and finally, because they had God's power. And really, His power is because of His presence. I want to point that out. Because He was there, they were able to know His power. And let's go back to verse... 12 of, or chapter 12, verse 23 of Exodus. It says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. When he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in under your houses to smite you. Uh, by the way, nobody on that night, nobody on that night who refused, you know, say they, the people that didn't put the blood on those, on the door, nobody on that night escaped. The firstborn didn't. In other words, nobody could shut the door on the judgment that was coming. The only way to avoid that was to put the blood on the posts, which I believe represents the future blood of Christ that was shed, and that blood on those posts, and then God's presence would protect them. Nobody else, you couldn't find protection in anyone else. This is perhaps one of the most power, during this time period, powerful armies in the world sitting right there, and they couldn't help. You see, what we find is only God could help. And that's because God is powerful. Now, God's judgment was going to come upon the land. And everyone was in danger of this judgment. By the way, we're all in danger of the judgment of sin. We're all sinners. All sin comes short of the glory of God. We all need God's forgiveness and God's mercy. And so we find here that the whole land was coming upon judgment. And only those with the blood on the house would be protected. Now, keep in mind, the blood was a token. Okay, The power was God. He was going to protect them. Uh, by the way, you're saved by God's grace and through faith. Yes, the shed blood of Christ was necessary. It is necessary. But God saves you by grace and through faith. God saves your soul. And when he saw the blood on the Passover, on those doors, he would hover over. You know, another uh, thought here, this is a wonderful thought. When he looks upon your heart and he sees the blood of Christ, guess what? You're his. He knows that. When you stand before God someday, that's how you're going to stand before Him. That's the only way any of us can stand before God. Not in our power, in Christ's righteousness. Because of His shed blood covering our sins. If you don't have that, then you're not going to be able to stand before God. And so that's why it's important to have uh, Christ in your life. But what we find here is that judgment was coming. You know, I think it's safe to say judgment's coming today. Hebrews 9.27 As it is appointed a man wants to die, but after this is judgment. You know, every one of us has an appointment with death. That's just, that's life, okay? Now, I don't dwell upon death. I much rather enjoy the life God's given me. But we need to understand that's the future of each of us and prepare for it. And afterwards, we're going to stand before God. There's a judgment that we're all going to be accountable to God. Now, if you're saved, uh, it's not going to be a judgment of penalty. It's going to be a judgment of the, you know, the judgment seat of Christ that refers to in Corinthians. It's going to be a judgment of rewards on how you live the life God gave you, the blessings and the gifts that you used for His glory and for His honor. But if you're without Christ, then it will be a judgment. It'll be a judgment that'll be 
for a penalty of sin. And so there is a judgment coming. But let me point out to you in this passage here, here's the power of Christ, okay? Or the power of God in our passage of Exodus. Uh, they put the blood on the doorpost, and God says, don't leave the house tonight, and you're going to be okay. Now, you think about this. They, all they had was God's word, right? They, that's all they had on this. Nothing like this had ever happened in Egypt or anywhere else. So they couldn't look back to any example and follow it. They had to just trust God, and they had to trust His Word. They had to apply it. Now, what if someone said, you know, I believe it, but you know what, I like the paint job on my door, so I'm not going to put that blood there. I just don't want to do it. The application would be missing, and they would suffer the judgment. They had to believe it, and they had to apply it. They had to take the blood, and they had to put it on the door. And then God would protect him. You know, when you have this picture here, I, I want to share this. This is not scripture, okay? Okay, this is just a little bit of speculation. I imagine on that night there were some people, maybe some firstborns. Keep in mind, not all were children. We're talking the firstborn of a family could be 30 years old, 40 years old. So we're talking firstborns. There could be some who put that blood on that door, and you know what? They maybe had doubts all night long. Did I put the right amount on? Did I do it the right way? Is God going to keep His word? Are we sure this is what we what we do? Uh, I could see maybe there'd be some, maybe you'd be one of them. I might be one of them. That would open the door every once in a while. Make sure we got it right. I'm a firstborn, so I'd be really checking the door. Make sure we did it right. We want to make sure this is done correctly, okay? Because I want to make sure that I live through this. Uh, my brothers may be, oh, hey, it's all right. You're just relaxing, taking it easy. I would be paying attention, definitely, in this one. And then maybe there were some that worried all night long. Went to bed or didn't go to bed. Paced through the room, wondering what's going to happen. There might have been some who, once they put the blood on the door, said, I'm going to trust God and I'm just going to go to bed. He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my house. We did it. It's going to be okay. And then they went to bed. Now, I probably don't know which one I'd be until I actually went through it. But here's the point I want to make. They were all protected. Even those that might have worried. Even those that might have doubted. Even those that might have struggled. Those that slept. Why? Because it wasn't based upon their emotions. It wasn't based upon their feelings. It wasn't based upon their circumstances. It was based upon God's word and his promises. All they had to do was just trust and God would take care of it. And when it was finished, the next day there may have been some who woke up and said, yeah, God's good. There may have been some who said, man, I'm tired. I was up all night. I shouldn't have been. I was wor- I've been there before. And so when God worked something out and later I thought, you know, why was I worrying about that? I gave it to God, and I knew He was going to work. I just should have just trusted Him. You see, the point I'm trying to make here is it was God's presence who took care of the situation. It wasn't anything they did. They just had to trust in the Lord. So don't look for peace and contentment in yourself or in circumstances. Believe in God's Word, obey it, and trust Him. That's where you're going to find peace, in the midst of your circumstances. That's when you're going to find joy in the midst of your trials or your troubles, because you're going to find it in God, not in your circumstances. You see, the power of God really was in His presence that night. That's His power. He was there. So when the destroying agent went to a house that had the blood, he couldn't get in because God was there. That's why he couldn't get in, because God said, no, I'm here. This is my house.
You know, this morning, if God's with you, as Paul would say, who can be against you? You know, for one thing, if you belong to God, nobody's ever going to pull you from Him. Never. You know, there's a threefold promise in the Bible. We have, Jesus said you're in God's hands and you're in His hands. And then think about that. For one, you couldn't pull anybody out of God's hands. I know it's just an imagery that we have in the Bible, but nobody could take someone out of God's hands. But then yet you have Christ holding on, and then you have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, nobody's going to take you from God. You belong to God. No matter what happens down here, you belong to God. And nobody's going to pull you from Him if you belong to Him. And the power of God's presence is what's going to bless you in your life. No matter your doubts or your circumstances, if you're with God and He's with you, then He's going to bless you. So, in closing here this morning, today the power of God is known by His presence in your heart. That's how you know God's power. By receiving Christ as your Savior. By abiding with Him, walking with Him. That's how you'll know His power in your life. And that's where you can know His power. And the question I have for each of you, first off, is God with you? Is God with you? That's the key question, making sure that God is with you. That you received Him and that the Holy Spirit resides in your heart. And the way He's with you is by... Receiving Christ as your Savior, believing on Him. That's, that's what salvation is. It's faith. It's not works. It's not anything you can do or have done. It's everything He has already done. You're just believing on Him and receiving Him as your Savior. And then the next one is, are you abiding with Him? Are you following His direction? And are you just resting in His power and His strength? You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.